All right, folks. We just started going the whole thing. I just want to tell our I want to tell our listeners what happened here. So Dutch. Nothing much happened. We didn't even start recording and he just wanted to start going. I was ready, man. I was ready. He just he just started going, you mean. He didn't even like I'm excited. Rolled right into it. What can I say? He loves answering uh, you know, QA from the fans. Yeah. And on that note. Welcome to Curiosity Public Podcast. Dutch here. Jules here. Dylan there. <laughs> and yes, another wonderful episode of our amazing world famous, mm. by the way, podcast. And uh, we've got, we're going to be discussing a letter that we received. But before we do that, let's talk about what we're sipping on. I will go first. You guys want to try to guess the bottle? I'll hold it up here on the camera. Oh, there you, you oh, probably already got wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. <laughs> that is a, that is a Japanese whiskey. It I'm, is. I'm thinking, what is that? Yamazaki? Yeah, it is Yamazaki 12. Wow. Okay. Smell oh. right today for some reason. Mm. All right, Jules, what do you got? Very nice. Well, this felt right today. Got some fishnet action going. Oh, some Michter's 10. Some Michter's 10. Dang, busting out. Busting nice. out. It, what's that? Is there a song? Does it busting out? The kid, the kid a said. Brand new groove. Busting out a brand new groove. Is that a lyric? Sure. Busta Rhymes. Okay, whatever. I don't All know. right. Since you're cool and hip, Dylan, what are you drinking? <sighs> All right. So you're never going to get this. First of all, I'm going to show you the color here. Okay. It's very light. Okay. All Looks right. like Ardbeg. You must have peaked. Right, because it is Ardbeg. Mm, is that the fermentation? It is. Oh, nice! You got it. Yes. Did you did you vastly overpay? <laughs> no comment. Oh god! Because oh, oh. I was looking for that too, man, and I just was like, oh, I'm not going to spend that. On it. You know what? I just want to. You did it well, because again, for the academic. I, well, I told you that you know this whole hobby pushes you to the limits, right? And. <laughs> You have to. Well, you're pushed. <laughs> Limits of reason. <laughs> you got to try the different permutations, and this permutation is something oh. that I need to try and study, and therefore yeah. I have to get. Yeah. So, <laughs> jeez, tough yeah. crowd. It I'm is a all, good. It is a good segue to, to today's topic, though. It is. It is. But I also like how we have this never-ending preparation for the art bag <laughs> drink through that will never happen. <laughs> 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 we just can't. We just keep getting it more. It just keeps growing and growing. It's like, oh, no, no, we got to get this. Oh, no, no, like, no. You know what? I hope it beats the Glenn Livet showdown. That's going to be a hard day. <laughs> All right, guys. So, yes, we, we mentioned we have a, a letter. Why do I keep calling it a letter? It was an email. No, let's call it a letter. It's a letter. <laughs> yeah, we got a hand-delivered a uh, parchment mm-hmm. uh, calligraphy written letter from our good friend, Mark. We can cut whichever one yeah. he doesn't want us to. I'm thinking Mark. We'll go with. We'll say Mark. Yeah, we got a letter from Mark. Yeah, um, and I. Oh, sorry. I'm like breaking my desk here. <laughs> Dude, I thought you were gonna flip over, man. Man, Dutch has lost it. Oh man, he I'm having a, I'm having a day. He doesn't record. He just kind of. He's having one of his. those nights. I'm so excited to read Mark's letter. That's why I'm all just right, getting all bent out of shape here. Yep. Okay, so Mark says, "Hey guys, I'm one of your thousands of podcast listeners in Australia." <laughs> <laughs> and, I re- and I really appreciate the content you produce. Thank you, so Mark. Kind. 
mind. One of my favorite drams is the Glenlivet 18. And thanks to your podcast, I found out about the change in ABV and bought up a supply of the 43% before the 40% hit the market. So thank you, Mark. You're very welcome. And you did a good job on that. Uh, The thing is, when I watch your review, I struggle to pick up the tasting notes you guys are able to identify. Although I love the taste of the scotch, I wish I was able to train my palate to pick out the flavors like you are able to. I'm wondering if there is a way to do this or if it is just a skill you've always had. I have some really nice bottles that I'm afraid to open as I feel I will not get the most out of them. Would love to hear your thoughts on training my palate, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for the awesome content. Stay curious. Regards. First of all, thank you, Mark, for a very well-written letter. Um, thank you, Mark. I appreciate and- all the uh, the English spelling of some of my of some of my favorite words, like favorite. Yeah, both Dutch spelling. and Jules are and gone, man. Flavors. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway, great question. And I thought this would be a, a fun uh, topic for a podcast because I think we can talk a lot about flavor and our journeys of describing flavors. And in a lot of ways, you know, I've mentioned this before, you know, so much of this stuff is about having a shared lexicon of how to talk about flavor. And if you don't yeah. have that, then it's kind of moot in a lot of ways, right? Like this is like a big thing in the wine communities, right? They said like, we have to have this shared lexicon to describe wine flavors. Yeah. Whiskey's a little different. I think it's more accessible and people can kind of shoot from the hip with what they're tasting and the way they describe it smooth <laughs> smoother well, you would say that flavor is what smooth smooth uh, oh, um, uh, it tastes like apricot or oh, apricot <laughs> Sorry, fruits, we, gotta take, we have to take we have to take a little sidebar here we'll get back to mark's question but i've always said apricot and no, we got, both like, no, no 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 both are acceptable yeah. okay both are acceptable i was just surprised at how many people commented on our video about like why you guys say apricot so yeah yeah in general in apricot. many if not most places in the united states they'll say apricot but there are areas in the united states that they do say apricot apricot yeah. right apricot like in the uk or like houston and houston <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> south of houston and yes. jobs and job <laughs> Uh, or or Versailles versus Versailles. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Lafayette. Versailles. Lafayette. Um, all right. Let's dig into this a little bit because, I mean, I have a lot to say on this topic, as I imagine Dylan and Jules do as well. Mostly Dylan. Mostly Dylan. Um, but Dylan, so since D- Dylan has gone through palate training, so let's let him talk yeah. a little bit about this and then we'll let's hear we'll, from the pro. We'll set him straight when he's done ranting. Yeah. I mean, I think long time ago, I dabbled in uh, the sommelier world because uh, I wanted a job. And, you know, there's this thought of uh, a subset of people with a kind of a palate that people label as super tasters, right? It's, it's kind of a weird uh, term, but they do use that term saying that they're able to discern flavors in a more complex environment or in more detailed fashion. I'm not sure where that line is drawn, where like at what point do you say you're a super taster or not? I mean, they do have tests, yes, sommelier, and you go through all these things. And I guess that's the way you do it. But in a day-to-day, it's really challenging because sometimes there are 
nuances that you, I think your brain interprets in its own way, and it may not relate to some other folks. And in other parts of the world, they may not have tried the fruit or food or product that you're using as an analogy or you're using to describe the flavor. So I recognize there are issues with that. Um, But I think for the most part, most people can identify kind of the major fruits. And so we can, we try to focus on that a little bit. I think just the nature of the wood and the kind of uh, uh, liquor that we uh, review, there tends to be a lot more stone fruit. And by stone fruit, I mean fruit that has that hard seed in it. And that includes things like avocado, pe- yeah, peach, <laughs> avocado. Wow. We should actually, we should talk about the fruit groups. So like yeah, stone right. fruit, stone fruit, right. citrus, there's melon, yeah. right. and then there's the apple type flavors as well, right? And when we say apple, perhaps we're trying to allude to that kind of subtle or sometimes blatantly obvious tart yeah, flavor tart. that comes with it. I think peach has this uh, very bold and distinct uh, smell and flavor. Apricot obviously does. It's like those kinds of things that we think about. And then um, what happens to those fruits, right? I don't know if you've ever made a homemade jam or compote, it changes the flavors, including the sugar, how you perceive the sugar. And then I think we use that as an analogy. Again, jam, the way you make jam at home is that you take these ripe fruits or close to rotten fruits, you cook them down, and then you add sugar, tons and tons of sugar, which is a slightly different flavor profile than say the sweetness, the fructose sweetness that you get from a very, very ripe fruit. So we kind of make distinctions that way. And I'm trying to think how I came to kind of appreciate whiskeys and liquors, hard liquors, I guess, spirits more. Um, let me kind of think about that, Dutch. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, I'd say I want to answer a little bit about like how to train your palate. One of the most valuable things I think you can do is just try as many things as you can, like eating cuisines from as many parts of the world as you can, trying as many different kinds of fruits and foods and, and just experiencing those flavors as many of them as you can. And I think one of the things that really helps, and and maybe you can train yourself on it, is trying to remember what things taste like. So like really focusing on the flavors of things when you're eating them and, you know, discerning between, well, that was just really salty or that was really fatty or that was really sour. And then thinking, well, no, specifically, like, what am I actually getting? Like, what does this apple really taste like? What is, what is this, you know, component of this nice dish that I had? What does that really taste like? And trying to kind of file those memories away. I think that helps a lot. And then watching cooking shows, honestly, can help quite a bit as far as like where to go like what well wow, that sounds interesting and i think getting a little adventurous and trying to cook can help you a lot too because you start thinking about flavor and how you put flavors together when you're cooking so hmm. i don't know i that's think a- things like that helped me a lot i don't know if it will help you that's a good point actually because um my friend was a food critic you know he wrote about food and so he would invite me to these uh openings and dining experiences and things like that. At that time, I didn't know anything about food, right? I ate it when I was hungry. I liked, you know, fatty, sugary, you know, whatever foods. And that was pretty much it. But when I watched him kind of analyze things and he, you know, he went to culinary school and he was, you know, like formally trained, you know, French cuisine and um, the French technique and all that kind of stuff. So the way he described things, the way he wrote about food, and then being able to be in these environments where 
the chef would actually come out and describe everything for you. That allowed me to develop a vocabulary. And then I started to apply that to whiskeys and spirits. And I said, you know what, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm going to enjoy it and analyze it in a way that chef did with the cuisine that he was presenting in front of me. So yeah, I think that jogged my memory. And I think that's kind of where everything started. Joel, sorry, I cut you off, but I didn't care. That's right. What else is new? (laughs) Well, I would, uh, the only thing is I would just comment, like I wouldn't apply that analogy for trying scotches because first of all, reading what the blender claims is going to be, you know, what you're getting out of the dram. I usually do not make that same connection. So, but the way I would, like the way I had approached it was, you know, usually just comparing two different bottles, you know, and just to see and pick out like the different flavors I would get from one bottle to the next. I mean, I think that's one of the best ways to do it. And I think it's one of those where, you know, you actually should spend the time, you know, it's a skill you can build and it's, but it's one of those where you should spend the time and, you know, you're not in or your palate isn't destroyed by other things. Right. So definitely don't do this after you just had dinner, like things like that. I would just recommend, yeah, try to have as clean of a palate to start off with and then just go slowly. You know what I mean? Like get that first sip in that they always recommend and then really taste and pick out the flavors on that second drink, you know, and then, um, and then same with nosing, obviously, you know, like don't immediately dump your nose straight into the glass and get the burn. Like yeah. I usually end up doing, but you know, kind of like just work your way it up out first. Work your, yeah. Work your way up to it. So. I struggled, I think a lot with bourbon initially. Um, Cause I started with scotch. I think I told that story a million times, but I, you know, I quickly moved to bourbon and then bourbon became this challenge for me. And the reason for that is because it was multi-grain, right? So it used multiple yeah. grains. And so I did mention this in the past, but the way I kind this is how I sorted it out. I went and bought whiskeys that were purely made from one of the grains. So I think I, I bought this like pure corn whiskey that was aged in the way that bourbon usually is. And then I did uh, wheat only. And then I did, you know, barley only. And I did rye only 100% rye only. And then I said, okay, I see what the differences are. And I had like those four different bottles and I would taste it back to back to back to back and say, oh, okay, I do notice a difference, but why am I noticing the difference? And then try to sort that out. And then the fun part is then you start doing the permutations, right? You start doing the mixing and then you Mm -hmm. figure out, okay, what do the flavors? Well, even next level of that is trying white dog. So trying stuff straight off the still before it's even gone into the barrel you know we've been able to try that you know we try to rye buffalo trace rye sazerac rye right off the still we've you know buffalo trace bottles their weeded mash bill and their mash bill number one white dog you can buy it and that's such an interesting thing to taste this is what it tastes like before it goes into the barrel right right and it's and there's slight nuances there you can start picking up that that do carry through the whole way which is fascinating to me it is amazing how it still retains that grain flavor, right? That distilled grain flavor. And, you know, I talked about how the bourbon and these type American whiskey challenges, uh, but I wanted to talk about the challenge of scotch and kind of the world whiskeys too. You often see it being finished or at least um, aged in either a sherry or some sherry variant or what they say, American oak, 
or bourbon or, you know, rye whiskeys or American whiskeys, where the barrel had uh, kind of that first touch aging, and then that liquid was taken out, and then it was sent to Scotland or whatever, and then and then they put other like malted barley into it. That's a different challenge as well, because the most illuminating thing uh, kind of in the recent years for me, when I was going through the, so I have a Aberlar 19 year and an Aberlar 21 year, but it's a pure whiskey in a distinct barrel. So one of them was just the sherry and one of them was American oak. So what I got was the single distillate going into two different barrels and aged in a very long time. And I was able to taste each one by itself. And then I went back and I tried a high-aged Aberlauer that the Master Distillate mixed. And I got to taste that. And I said, oh, okay, I see what they're trying to do here. And then I try to do it myself with the 19 and 21 year. And I hope we can do that at some point too uh, during, during our uh, recordings. But that gave me another insight into what these flavors are doing. So these are some of the things that we did. And, and that's what I did. And I feel like in your journey, if you are really interested and you want to invest in your palate, I think that's where you need to go. I think you have to kind of write out how you want to sort out these things. I tend to be utilitarian and logical. I need it to be step by step. I need to go through all of that. And so I, I would write down, it's like, these are the things that I want to look at individually and then look at all the permutations. I am yeah, no, it's good to have tasting notes. Absolutely. Yeah, that definitely can help. Yeah. There's a couple things that I think we could talk about as well. So, I mean, you mentioned one thing earlier, Dylan, which was like getting a chef's description of a meal. And that's a very interesting thing. And that's why I said watching cooking programs, because there you get, especially watching like master chefs describe what they're doing. And if you ever get a chance to hear them talk about flavor and what they're trying to do with flavor and then get to try a dish that they've described, then you can start understanding, okay, this is what they're talking about. You know, they're talking about, okay, you know, the, the, the rich, you know, sweetness of this will complement the smoky flavors of the, the barbecued whatever and and if you start hearing that and you put it together with a dish you can kind of transpose that over to whiskey as well i think to some extent a couple other things i wanted to touch on the first one was pairings i'm not sure that pairings are the best way to to do this but i have noticed in the past you know i've gone to distilleries and they've given you like here have a bite of this chocolate and now take a sip of the whiskey it'll bring out this flavor or that flavor and i think that can work to some extent and that you know if you're having trouble finding particular flavors that might be an interesting thing to try. The other thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I have some idea in my head that just as I've gotten older and the more whiskeys I've tried, I've either just deadened my taste buds or heightened them in some way in which like the ethanol burning on the palate does not affect me like it once did. And I feel like I'm better able to pick up flavor. And I don't know if that's just an experience thing or what, but I think there's some curve there as well of just the number of things you've tried yeah. <laughs> and how your palate reacts. I don't know yeah. exactly how that yeah. works, but I don't taste the alcohol anymore. Yeah, obviously you don't taste anything. <laughs> Any alcohol. Yeah. Hey, I, I I am literally dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I also think that there are easier things and harder things, right? So if you're yeah. talking about grain and spice, those can be a little tricky. Yeah. Um, they're harder to describe because especially with grain, you're not usually eating raw grain. You're having grain that's been milled and then baked, and then you're usually Processed. putting something on it. Yeah. <laughs> Spices can be a little easier to pick up. Sweetness is, I think, a, a nice one to play with because there's such a big spectrum of the fruit sweetness that we already talked about. There's also just the regular sugar sweetness and the difference between raw, unrefined, like a Muscovado sugar 
and a white refined sugar. And then cooking those sugars does different things to the flavors as well and kind of learning what that does. But then when you bring in the wood influence, that can get, I think probably the hardest part to, to talk about is, is wood influence on things. You know, we say tannic, right? What does that mean? Well, it means, does it mean it just dries your mouth out a little bit? Sometimes you say you get like a sandalwood or kind of a oakiness, things like that, that can come through. And that's like Jules says, walking through the lumber department <laughs> at the store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you- yeah. If, Doesn't I, have you know, to always just shop. be a food memory. You that's know? true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember, I think you were talking about that in the, is the FAE-01. <laughs> I, I, it was either you or me or something. We were talking about how like, I feel like I'm not inside the distillery, but I was like gnawing on the wood door yeah. to the distillery, exactly. like the barn door. And that's how it tastes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's kind of silly, but if you've ever worked in a wood shop, you know all the different smells Absolutely. Right, of the different yeah. types of wood and the shavings and things like that. And that, you know, you can try to start applying it to how the wood flavors are in a lot of these bourbons and rye and things like that as well. Yeah. When you go to that wine school, you know, the sommelier school, what I didn't like is that they kind of force upon you the language, like Dutch said, right? They're like, you need to taste this. You have to taste this in order to be X, Y, Z. And therefore, in order to get to the next level, you know, you need to be able to find that flavor and be able to consistently find it in other bottles and et cetera, et cetera. And I felt like what I didn't like about it is like, it's it's very rigid and it kind of pulled the, the fun out of it. I think the fun part is being surprised and being able to connect what you're tasting with the flavor memory. Yeah. So literally, what does this remind you of? Does it remind exactly. you of anything you've ever tried? And that's what I was getting at with just like, try as many things as you can, you know, yeah. try different cuisine, any chance you can get. I don't know if you've seen uh, the movie called Ratatouille by Disney towards the end, spoiler alert, where Anton Ego bites into that Ratatouille. He goes back to his Transported childhood, back, right? Yeah. Because that flavor invoked a very strong memory. And I sometimes feel like that. Food is it, memories. When I, yeah, when I'm drinking something and I say, and when I go, oh, you know, I'm tasting the stone fruit, it's not just the stone fruit, I think. It has to be some experience. It's attached to an experience when I ate that peach. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I remember tasting that peach at that moment in time. And therefore, I am now experiencing some of that in this spirit. There's something to that, too. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that for sure. Um, okay, I would just but, say, like, you know, let, let me just call it a travesty. If you have some really nice bottles, though, open them up. Well, that's what I was going to get to <laughs> is what would you advise? Open them, them on, up. Do not be afraid to open it if you're especially if you're trying to build your skill on palate the best way to do it is to open up your bottles yeah. and first of all too you gotta let them breathe you know, well that's, that's it, it, they won't go bad right. so try a sip from all of them start exactly. comparing start writing some notes down and then come back to them in six months or in five months yeah. after you've tried a bunch of other things and tried some other cuisines and started to think about the flavors with a little bit more of a construct to it and maybe you'll get more out of them yeah, yeah. i mean it's weird because when i was a kid i did not eat any pork and i didn't really eat much chicken that was very picky. And that really narrowed my understanding of food and flavors. But then, you know, peer pressure, right? As you get older, and you have to try these things, all of a sudden, it became like this hunger to learn more and experience more. And I think that translated to our spirit journey, right? Where we want to, I, you know, me drinking this firm mutation, and I had to try this firm mutation released by Ardbeg, because I kind of have a, a vision of what it's supposed to taste like. And it's crazy. I'm tasting it right now. 
now, it's exactly that vision. It's like perfect in my mind. It's like, oh my goodness, I knew that this was going to taste like this. There it is. There it is. And so is it worth it for me? Yes. Is it worth it for a lot of people? No, because they're going to taste this and they're going to say it's disgusting. But, (laughs) But for me... I am enjoying it. So, I mean, that's how kind of the palette evolves, right? Definitely. Yeah. And the rabbit hole. All right. Well, a huge thank you to Mark for sending this question in. It was so good. I was like, you know what? I probably, it would take me like six months to actually write something back. Why don't we just do a podcast? Yeah. No, definitely. Sure. He'll get get our actual podcast response in three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. It'll it'll take a few weeks, but he'll actually get a way more detailed response than anything we could write out for him. So true. So true. So that works out. And I'm glad we do have... uh, as he said, thousands of listeners in Australia. That makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, right. Thousands, right. I, I think it's uh, it, it, it wavers from like one and zero. Like listeners. <laughs> Binary. Yeah, it is. Uh, but thanks again, Mark. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Great question and great, yeah. uh, great topic for us to dive into. And hopefully we helped you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you didn't get bored listening to us ramble on about <laughs> flavors and cooking shows and eating wood. I I did, you know, I did send a Dutch a message, which was ignored, by the way, where I said, you know, is it okay if I bring all the fruits and the jams that I talk about, right? When I say stewed fruit, what does it look like? This is what stewed fruit is. And this is what people care what it looks like. They want to know what it tastes like. Exactly. See, this is what I get, right? I'm trying (laughs) to provide service to the community. How is that a utility? And and Dutch is like, Dutch is like, no, I want to talk about 818 and Kim Kardashian. And I want to talk about TMZ. Let me drink my White Claw and let's talk about TMZ. That's actually the cubicle setup we have is just like TMZ. I sit there with my coffee yelling at everybody. And Joel's like, what? Jules is like, that sounds awesome. It does sound like fun. (laughs) All right, Jules, take us out. Well, thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you out of Australia. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Pretty sure they got YouTube in Australia. Uh, Let us know if they don't. If you want to help us out, we would truly appreciate it. Please consider joining our subscription membership program, Curiosity Private, which is on YouTube. We're also on Patreon and another way is to buy t-shirts. We'll have links in the description. As always, stay safe, stay healthy. Stay curious. Typical fashion, Ardbeg is opening up and it's becoming something very different. So what's the deal with that one? It like it sat in the fermentation tank like way longer than they meant to leave it. Yeah. I think they did it on purpose to see what happens. Yeah. See what happens. And you know, it has it like it invokes a little bit of that Krugelicky mm. worm tub funk. That funk flavor, which I actually enjoy. I didn't think that I would enjoy it, but then you so know So does it get to like a vinegary type of thing or something? Or is it no, no, it's not a vinegary. It's more of like the nuance of the smoke and Pete is different. It's Mm. just a different way of presenting it. And I interpret this as pleasant, but Mm. it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea. I can already tell. I mean, even just the aroma alone is, uh, it's not like any other, (laughs) any other (laughs) Ardbeg or any other dram on the market. And therefore this is why I needed to try it. (laughs) All right. I understand that.